DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He he joins us now on the T-Mobile special guest line, T-Mobile and Sprint, coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. What is up? You, you global <laughs> superpower, you. There is no end to the Riley Jensen conglomerate. Am I right? Oh, we're just trying to we're just out here trying to hustle a little bit, you know. Just, you got to work while you wait for good opportunities to come. So that's all we're doing. So how yeah, right on, man. Every day we're hustling. <laughs> how's, Ster- <laughs> how's Sterling? Hey, how's that's Tanner? Like Kia. That's a Kia commercial, isn't it? Every day yeah. I'm hustling. <laughs> that's a Rick Ross song, man. One of my favorite oh. artists, Rick oh, Ross. Yeah. Oh, yeah, him. Oh, yeah, him. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Before we talk Rick Ross, which I'm sure we will do at length, I would like to talk about Sterling, Tanner, and Ethan and what kind of progress you're able to make with them. <laughs> dude, dude. I have no idea. Uh, who, are, who, are, who are they? I don't know. Oh, now, come on, Riley. <laughs> Own your it. creations, man. Own it. You and PK may have had some fun at my expense. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but now what, what, the what bread is being is, buttered. <laughs> what I'll tell you is that I've never, ever, ever had a problem with soccer player. It's always been soccer fans. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sometimes that sometimes annoyed me. I mean, for me, for me to pretend that that um, you know that I've always loved soccer fan is, is a little bit tough for me. Um, but there's certainly some good things going on. And uh, our meetings so far with RSL have been very, very exciting and exhilarating for me. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. And I'm super excited about all the things that are going on with our company right now. So you're working with them with your consulting firm that you do explain what the goal is as you go in there. Well, I think one of the things that's important as a sports psychology consultant, and 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 this is true just in business or on teams, is we can't we can't take an approach that there's a quick fix. You, you have to play the infinite game rather than finite game, and. When, when you get into the business world, when you get into high-level professional athletics, it's all about winning, right? And, and if they don't win, then people lose jobs, people lose opportunities and those sorts of things. But if we can help to build processes, to focus on the day-to-day, to focus on being present instead of being a time traveler that flies too far into the future with what-ifs or flies too far into the past with woulda, coulda, and shouldas, and get them back to the moment by asking them asking themselves questions like what's important now and really coming back to the moment and focusing on what's in front of them because that's what they can control, then, then we're going to have better long-term success. Now, there's always going to be a few tools here and there that can help people immediately. Um, and we're having good meetings with coaches, with GMs, and those sorts of things right now to, to put some – some processes into place that are going to help them both in the short term and the long term. So I'm curious just to apply the line of work that you're in now and you're, you're in multiple lines of work. You're still a media superstar here. You got it all going on. 
<clears throat> but when you see a team play the way BYU played, uh, there are people I know, especially the people who uh, loathe BYU and root against them here on the Wasatch Front, who are like, see, they're not that good, they're overrated. When I watch that game and I see how easily they moved the ball on the opening drive and I see how they were able to go down the field at the end and get a uh, touchdown when they needed it and they were able to get a couple key stops when they needed it, I'm thinking the physical talent is there. I'm thinking the issues they had in that game were mental. There was a little focus, something went wrong, and for whatever reason they lost their mojo and it really bugged them. And, but just watching... Like the quarterback and the running back looked like they were running two different plays. That handoff was complicated. It almost didn't happen. What that doesn't have anything to do with how good UTSA is or isn't. That's a separate debate. Uh, when you watch BYU, did you see a lot of that in that game? I, yeah, I felt. I, I personally just felt like there was a little bit of lack of focus. Um, look, this is this is what happens with teams, right? Like you start to play a little bit well, maybe you read some of the clippings that are going on that you're really good and you start forgetting kind of what got you there. And I think, to be honest with you, I think these kind of wins are really good for teams. Yeah, there's going to be noise outside of, of like what happened or what you really are and all those kind of things. But these are these are good wins for teams because they can learn a lot from them. I mean, I think I saw a quote from Isaiah Kafusi. He's like, I'm glad it's a short week. I can't wait to get back on the field and get back to work. Um and by the way, he's a great leader for this team. He 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 makes some incredible comments sometimes that I think show a tremendous amount of maturity. But what I would say about BYU is they they maybe overlooked this team a little bit. They maybe had thought like, oh, we're we're killing teams. Like all we have to do is show up and we're going to win games. And that's not necessarily true. And as the season goes on, people are going to make adjustments. They're going to see what your weaknesses are and they're going to try to exploit them. Now, as far as the handoffs go and those sorts of things, like that's just, to me, that's a lack of focus. That was just, you know, they're not, they're not all the way there or didn't, didn't put in the focus and the energy that they needed to during the week to get there. But I think this win is super healthy for BYU because they're not going to take anything for granted at this point. They're going to realize that, hey, I don't care whether it's UTSA or whether it's LSU or whether it's, Alabama, we need to do everything we can to take care of the things that we can control, and I and I and I think it'll be a good a good thing for them. I don't think this is a reflection of at all of how good or how bad BYU was. When BYU played bad in the past, they got killed. I mean, they got beat by Toledo, they got beat by South Florida, they got beat by UMass, right? And I don't, I'm not bringing those up for BYU fans to feel pain, but don't get too caught up in the fact that they barely beat UTSA when they when they played ugly before they got killed. Now they're winning ugly. So that's that's a huge step forward for this program in my opinion. Yeah, excellent point. We know they've lost a bunch of games they had no business losing in here. Could have lost and they went ahead and got it done. I wanted to follow up uh, something we've been talking about here as far as uh, name recognition when you stay local in recruiting and we've seen a number of kids go out or uh, they've left the pro they left the state and and Oregon got has three commitments of high school kids and you're a, you're a local kid obviously you played locally and you know you went and you've got all the credentials and all the academic certifications that you're supposed to get to do the business that you're doing and that's great 
But I'm wondering, how much did you benefit from the fact that you were a local kid, you made local connections growing up, and then you've done a lot of radio work, so your name, Riley Jensen's out there, you've coached ball, you run camps, you do all these things. How much, aside from all the academic stuff that you did and got yourself in the position to take advantage of your name recognition, but how important was the fact that your name was known in the community that has allowed you basically to flourish in these businesses that you've got going on? Well, I think that's, I think that's actually a really good point. And I think that depending on where you want to live for the rest of your life, sometimes sometimes it does help that there's some name recognition. Now, I don't think um, I don't think that anyone that I talked to, uh, I, yes, I do believe that I went out and I worked hard, and I do believe that I've tried to to be kind to people and I've tried to be a good person in the community and the things that I'm doing and trying to help people out. But for me. There's a tremendous amount of luck involved. I don't, I don't, I don't take it too seriously that I have all these credentials and that I'm just so amazing at what I do that people can't turn me down. I think the fact that you guys were willing to take a risk on me, Gal, feels like 15 years ago. I think it was like 2003, 2004 that you guys, you know, let me let me on air with you as the Aggie under the bleacher, and. Um, built my name that way. Um, there's been tremendous contacts that have come from being a salesperson out in the community and being able to just try to do the best that I can. I, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I think some of that has been definitely because I've been a local athlete and I tell local athletes that I work with at Utah state and Weaver state all the time, this will get your foot in the door, but don't ever forget that what, what you do after you get your foot in the door is going to be what keeps you there, and you can't you can't be a schlep and just have your hand out and say, "Hey, I you know I played Utah State football, I played at Weaver. Like, hey, what are you going to give me? You got to go, you got to go work." But it's certainly, I mean, I mean, I think this point is very well taken, PK. It has certainly gotten me in a lot of doors that maybe I I wouldn't have been in by playing quarterback at Utah State. Was that a little music to highlight that last little bit? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> he, he was trying to humiliate you with a drop, and instead, suddenly the lights were flashed and the disco ball was spinning. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Golden years. He's a first-team all-whacker. There it is. <laughs> Well, stark contrast from the first little piece there, Yuck. I mean, I, you know, I wish we could keep track of all your mistakes so we could replay them all the time. <laughs> I'll never forget the look on Ryan Hatch's face when you said that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, he's a first took, team all whacker. It, it took me 10 to 15 seconds to realize what I'd said. <laughs> I had no idea that I had said you know, It just seemed like, man, I mean, what's the big deal? What's everybody looking at me funny for? I didn't even, <laughs> even figure it out. Uh, I will never forget the look on Pace Mannion's face. PK was on vacation, and Pace was filling in. And I tried to say a spectacular wreck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Monday mornings, they're the worst. I've made most of my drops on Monday mornings, Riley. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Spectacular think... rack. What? <laughs> <laughs> With a spectacular rack. What? Tell me more. Face <laughs> <laughs> just looked up. His eyes got all big. There's white all the way around his eyes. Like, what are you doing over there? Well, there's somewhat of a relationship between those two drops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why do I feel like Demas and Bunhead are laughing really hard? Oh, right? they are. They <laughs> are. Fire, yeah. Fire rules. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Oh man, you know what though? It's you know it is what it is, and they're they're it's live radio, they're actually, baby. Stuff happens. They're still funny. They're still funny oh, to yeah. me. <laughs> Even when I hear them, I'm just like, wow, how did that happen? I've how said, did that happen? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've said a lot of things to Pace over the years, and I've made him laugh, and he's made me laugh. But I don't think I've ever made him make that face before. <laughs> that was that was. It's like we're live on the radio. What are you doing? Anyway. All right, so did you watch much of that Houston game? Because uh, when you only have one game to go on with a team, you know how much does that game say about them? How much does that say about their opponent? Yeah, they looked a lot faster than Tulane. That jumped off the screen at you. But what else should BYU be getting ready for in this one? Because it seems high stakes. I mean, the, the teams they've got, this is halfway through the season, assuming they play 10 games. And I know they might play 8 or 9, and they might play 11 or 12. So, But let's just go with what they got scheduled. This is halfway through the season. It's the best brand name they played. They're going to be on Friday night in prime time. They're ranked. Everyone's going to be watching. They're the only game going. So they got a chance to make an impression here. It could be a really good impression. It could be a really bad bad impression, but I don't know what to make of Houston, and obviously the competition matters. Well, I don't, I don't really know what to make of Houston. I watched a little bit of that game, not as much as I wanted to. I think the thing that stands out to me about Houston is there, there are enough athletes on that team that they can expose you if you're not fundamentally sound, right? And so there could be, I don't know, everything from a special teams play to a wide receiver taking a screen to the house, kind of like La Tech did against BYU, um, those are the things that you have to stay fundamentally sound. you got to run, you know, all 11 helmets need to be chasing the ball in the correct angles and all those sorts of things. And it, <clears throat> those are the things that make you nervous because if the university I, – I do think that BYU is the better team. I, I feel like, though, that if Houston gets a little bit of confidence early in this game, that it can make things difficult because – um, a team that's athletic, that's feeling confident about themselves, can can wreak all kinds of havoc. Now, does that mean that BYU is not athletic enough to handle it? No, but it always takes a team to win those big games where there's some serious athletes on the other side of the ball. There's just really good athletes from the Houston metropolitan area, the Dallas area, and those things that are that are playing for the University of Houston now. Do they play great team football all the time? No. But they have some flashes that that have to make you nervous and have to be difficult for you um, to handle as uh, or to think about as a BYU coach or a BYU player. And so it's going to take a team effort both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. And then I would say the thing that I would worry about the most is you know, is is Hogue back? Is James Empey back? Are they are they healthy? Can they can they help you get back to that first game that was so dominating offensively? And I think that James Empey is more important to this offense than you think. He makes so many calls. 
he does so many things. He's such a veteran on that on that line. He's also a son of a coach, so he has a high football IQ, and he can solve a lot of problems at the line of scrimmage that maybe people aren't thinking about. And I think he's a huge key to BYU being able to play well and to, to really make this run that I'm, I think all BYU fans are hoping they'll make. So we had on, we've been able to air the uh, media portions of Utah practice, right? And we had, uh, they, do the, they do the media before, we had on Cam Rising and Jake Bentley. And we go, you hear this all the time, two quarterbacks vying for one job, and a quarterback, one guy plays, and everybody else stands around and watches. But in that quarterback room, there's so much love, and they push each other, and they just want what's best for the team. Can we call bull on any of that? Because that's a guy you're competing with, and he's trying to take away what you want. Yeah, I call. I, I I listened to both of those interviews with you guys about how play bull crap, dude. Okay. Yeah, you love him. You love you love him until he has your job. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's all great right now. Yeah, it's easy to be friends until. I mean, this is called the storming phase of of team dynamics, right? Where everybody's competing and jockeying for position, and then and then you that after you get through storming, you have to go through norming and accepting your role. And that's the hardest thing for a quarterback to accept is to accept his role on the bench with a green or a red hat on so they can see you signaling it in. I mean, that's that's fun for a minute, maybe your freshman year as a quarterback because you know you have time to win a spot. But I'll tell you what, if you're a junior or a senior, you don't want anything to do with that fluorescent hat. You don't even <laughs> want to see it. In fact, it gives you the heebie-jeebies. So I, I call I call a little bit of bull crap on that. Now, look, quarterbacks are smart. They're trying to be the CEO of the football team. They're trying to say the right things that their coaches want them to say. But I call bull crap. I, I was listening to it, and I was calling bull crap as I was listening to it. It's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to hate the guy, but I guarantee you, you're not rooting for him to win the spot. And if he wins the spot, you're you're not rooting for him to get hurt. But if he does, you know, like, oh, man, sorry, I had to step in and take this over. I mean, it's not like you're – and I think that's the hardest thing for a quarterback, especially the quarterback position because you're on the bench, is learning how to be the best player for your team instead of being the best player on your team. And that's a really hard lesson to learn. And most quarterbacks don't learn it. They transfer. So, I mean, it's it's tough. That's a tough position to be in. And I'm glad they're saying the right things, but I'm not buying. You can go sell that somewhere else. <laughs> I'm okay with you guys lying, but I know you're lying. <laughs> exactly. Don't. I mean, look, look. I, the thing that's funny about that is, is I know that anybody that's played football and any of their teammates know that they're lying too. It's like it's like this great this this great fake news thing that's going on that everybody's okay with. And I'm like, why aren't we all okay with it? That's not true. <laughs> like, but it's really true. just it's really just that position, maybe running back, um, but it's really just that position, right? Because at other positions you play more than one guy. It's maybe tight end, I guess. No, nah, I mean I, I don't even think tight end or running back. I mean if you look, if you look, there, there's not really a fe- there is a feature back, but like there's third down backs all over the NFL. So the the guy that's the main running back gets you know the first two plays, and then on third down he's out, or he gets the first three series and then he's out the fourth series. I mean, it, it's hard, it's hard to 
to think of another position where you're the feature player and really it's you or nobody. And I, and and look, quarterback's a difficult difficult position that way because I was just talking to someone yesterday about it, but I feel like the quarterback position, as much as we want to make it scientific, and it's all about the reads and the X's and O's and one and two high safeties and are they in man-to-man and can I make the throw, football, playing quarterback is a little bit of an art, too, and a little bit of a feel, almost like a starting pitcher, where you kind of got to get in the groove and you got to kind of find out what's going on with the defense. And it takes more than one or two series to have it all figured out. You got to feel, you got to feel it. And once you feel it, and once you know what's going on, it can be a really, really fun position to play. But it takes a minute to, to, to okay, this is what they're going to do. This is how we're going to react. These are the things that I, that, I, that I need to do to be successful. And there's a little bit of an art to it. And so that's why, that's why it doesn't feel like two quarterback systems ever work because if you're threatened that you, you've got to be, have it all going in that first series or if you're alternating series, how do you ever get in a flow? How do you ever get into a state where you can play really good quarterback? I, I don't know. And that's why I just don't think there's been very many situations where the two quarterback system works. And so really one guy is going to play. That's it. Riley, we appreciate the time. Good luck. Uh, good luck in your new relationship with RSL. Thank you. Thank Don't blame you. me looking... if I find that entertaining. <laughs> hey, man. Listen, if Ethan, Tanner, and Sterling want to talk to me about the intricacies of the pitch, um, I'm, I'm glad to listen. Um, I'm probably still not going to believe, you know, some of the bull crap that they tell me. <laughs> He's Riley Jensen. He joins us every week. He's our college football insider. Thanks, Riley. Take care, guys.